Hello there, you're about to experience the What's Up Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? What's up, church? What is up, church? How are you all today on this lovely day? It is the 1st of February. Wow. That's crazy that the month of January is already gone. That's like literally insane. Not literally. Obviously, that is figuratively. However, how are you all doing? Lovely. That is lovely to hear. Glad to hear it. Glad you're doing well. Hold on. I'm turning down my gain. (laughs) I'm trying to work on this mic stuff. The pop filter's helping, except when I just yell pop filter into it. And I'm trying to work on the gain. Maybe that, I don't know, is coming hot. So again, I'm hoping the audio sounds good on your end. Diff mixes, they're so diligent to make me sound palatable. And I cannot thank them enough. They're amazing. So thank you, Diff Mix. So I was driving show to the airport this morning um, and we were talking about like these little things of like what's crazy. Um, we've heard some sermons lately and then like, you know, how to stay focused. And there were some, uh, our church had a great message last night. So today's Thursday, yesterday was Wednesday. We had uh, last night, Wednesday church was awesome. There was just, a stirring, I guess, it was a conversation that Sho and I are having about what our priorities are. And then spiritually, where, you know, where do we want to move forward? Where do we want to focus? And and kind of ask the question, like, you know, what why did we go the way we went? Both her and I have our own stories, our our testimonies that are, you know. I guess I don't know how you qualify a testimony. <laughs> We've lived crazy lives. You guys have heard my testimony. It's like the second episode I recorded. And you've heard a lot of things since then about my life. And, you know, I, I'm pretty transparent when it comes to my walk and stuff. But you also know that I'm very analytical. And so I look back at my life and I, and I, I was trying to just kind of analyze, like, what happened? Because uh, she was talking about some, some testimonies of some people that grew up inside the church and then they turned into a, you know, an alternative lifestyle and then they've gotten healed from that. And like, what caused that? And the same thing with people who just, you know, were just had, had pursuit from the enemy had pursuit on their life, their entire life and just how they kind of overcame that. And so I was thinking about my life and I was thinking about where, like, what was it, you know, cause I grew up in a quote unquote Christian household. Um, I would say that my mom was much more the spiritual leader, as you've heard this, than my father. But I had a good dad. Like, he wasn't a great dad in terms of, like, nailing all things. But I really enjoyed my dad. I loved my dad. My dad had a lot of shortcomings, though. My dad was angry. Um, My dad was more worldly and fleshly. he had moments, but you know, but it's so easy to sit back and, and nitpick like what your parents did or did not do well. Like, and I just don't like that. I, I, it's, it's, it's not something that I'm like, oh, where did you guys fail me? Like, no, like 
I'm a very self-accountability type person. And that's something that my father, the gift, one of the many gifts that my father gave me was accountability. He was very adamant about that. You know, like, like you don't kick a can on the road. You, you take responsibility, you take accountability for the things that are in your life. Like if something's not good, then do something about it. Like fix it. Do something, you know, like there, there is, I was very much raised with that. Like, you know, Hey, if you want to have money for the weekend, go do some chores or go get a job. <laughs> so I learned that kind of skill set, work ethic, accountability, things of that nature. I, I was in, ingrained with that. But I'm looking at my, like, why I never had a personal relationship with the Lord. And that's really what I kind of nailed into. Like, I had experiences. Like, I even said in the last one, I was I was a Christian by proxy or Christian by proximity. You know, I figured because my mom was a Christian, I was a Christian. I kind of had that. And I never had a, a relationship with the Lord. And I look at, like, my parents growing up had a stressful marriage. Let's just call it that way. Um, and so I didn't see a modeling of church probably the way I wanted to, or the way I, the way it should have been. I didn't see that. And that's not to say that I didn't have a loving household or, you know, any of those, I'm not throwing stones at my childhood, trying to like dissect where I was let down. Cause I, again, I think we can do that. And that's not a good perspective at all. Personally, it's not a good perspective. Um, um, I think, how do I say this? I, I I try to go back to see what what could have been provided to me differently that would have made me change my ways. That would have like, is there something that could have been said or done in my youth, <laughs> my young adult, my youth, whatever, that would have put me on a different path. And I honestly go back to I don't know. And so Sho and I were talking about that. And the really, the only thing I could really possibly think of was like a mentorship. It's something that I really feel strongly with when it comes to young men, young men in Christ, specifically not knowing how to be young men in Christ. Like I didn't know how to be a young man in faith. I didn't have any faith. I had an experience here and there, you know, like I got saved in high school and I truly believe I got saved in high school. Um, but I didn't go deeper. I was the seed, and I've said this uh, uh, plenty of times. I was a seed that fell on either rocky soil or had the world grow up around it. I kind of think I was a combination of two and three. You know, the first soil got snatched away immediately, didn't even have a chance. I wasn't that. The second soil of the sower of the seed parable landed on shallow soil. And so the, it, it sprouted immediately, but then the, the hot sun kind of snuffed it out. You know what I mean? Um, and then the third soil was thorns and thistles and it got choked out. It's so like the desires of this world. And I, to be honest, I think part of me was very much in the second soil where like it took root, but there was no depth to my faith. There was no, what's the next step? Keep going further, get past milk, get into meat type relationship. I didn't have that. I just was like, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. I love this. And I, and I, heart of hearts did, like, I love the Lord. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But it never went deeper, which is embarrassing, but totally true. That's what I did. Like, I'm like, oh Lord, you're the, uh, you know, and then because I didn't use the Lord's name in vain or whatever, you know, I gave myself very worldly metrics as to why I was quote unquote, a good Christian. And I was not, uh, <laughs> I was not, I was still incredibly worldly, but I, at least I was convicted about it sometimes. <laughs> That's how I, like, I must be a good person because I feel bad about some of the things I do. Oh gosh, so silly. And then I go into 
the worldly part. And this is where, when I moved to Vegas, very much so, that's where the thorns and the, the you know, the, the it choked out my faith because, again, you couldn't live the lifestyle I was living in faith. You like I had to pick a lane, you know. So I had to bury one, either bury my desire for worldly things, money, lust, all those kind of things, or I had to walk in the faith, which what I knew was correct. And so I chose to bury my faith. <laughs> That's plain and simple. And we've, we've talked about that. I think I've talked about that plenty of times in terms of like, was I still saved? Was I not? I don't know, man. I don't know. I was, I was lukewarm. <laughs> I was, I don't even know if I was lukewarm. I was actually defiant. Like, I don't even like lukewarm would have been a, a, a step up from where I was. I was just completely living in willful, consistent sin. And so again, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and belabor that issue because I don't know, but I know where I'm at now. And so then again, looking back on my life, like what, what did I miss or what did I lack that kept me from moving forward? Like that in that direction. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, I think it goes back to the one thing that I think about now, and that is a relationship modeled, a spiritual modeled relationship through a mentor, through an elder person, preferably a man. Like I didn't have an example. Like my father, as good as he was and as amazing as he was at a lot of things, a Christian example was not it. You know, um, he was Christ adjacent, uh, you know, Christian adjacent a lot. You know, he lived, he lived, he had a lot of issues in his life that he went through with his family. And it's very easy to poke holes at how he quote unquote might've, you know, had areas of opportunity, we'll call them and how he raised me and my brother. But for when he came from, he was, he was lights out based on what he was given. He was infinitely better than what he was raised with. And he was the best he could be at the time. Uh, without being, you know, without fully surrendering to the Lord. And I think he did fully, I think he was, again, all those things I don't, I'm not questioning his faith. What I'm saying is though, is that he lived, you know, a tough life and his walk was tough and he had a lot of anger and a lot of unforgiveness. He had a lot of things he was battling with most of his life, you know, um, mental depression, a lot of stuff that we just, you know, don't, didn't get addressed because it just wasn't, you just didn't do it back then. You didn't talk about that kind of stuff. You just dealt with it, you know, poorly, but you dealt with it. And what would it have been like for my father to have a mentor, a spiritual mentor, someone in his life that poured into him, you know? And I think about when my life changed is when my pastor Shane in San Diego started to mentor me. Obviously I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision um, or a, <clears throat> I had to come to that decision. I can't, someone else can't want your faith more than you. Um, that's a recipe for disaster. They can love you. They can do all those things. But unless you want to grab a shovel and dig, as I was so instructed, it's never going to really be a thing. It's going to be what happened to me. It'd be a series of experiences with massive deep valleys in between them, like a series, like a random peak here. We're like, oh my gosh, faith. Or, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then you just fall off again because there's no substance. Again, you're on shallow soil. 
or you're in thorny soil where it just chokes you out. Like the world just starts drawing you back if you don't leave your circumstances. And so the moment I had a mentorship from Shane, where like I was consistently weekly being poured into, whether that be through golf and just the community and just like, you know, hey, just speaking with someone, whether that be giving my time, helping plant church, doing setup and teardown, what all that stuff, whatever that was, that season was imperative for me to gain my identity in Christ, understand who I was in him and put me on the right path. It wasn't everything. I've had to do a lot of, of digging since. Clearly we all do. I'm not a finished work. Thank the Lord. Um, but that's what really changed my path was when someone took a, a interest in me and, and called me higher than I was living, saw something in me that was significant and then called that out poured into that, spoke to that. And that's what I think about now of like, there's so many, there's, there's an epidemic of, of, of fatherless men. There's an epidemic of boys who don't know how to be men and have no example of it. And they have horrible examples. The world is showing us horrible examples. Everywhere you look, there's just horrible. I used to, I used to get so mad. I'm mad. So I don't know. It, just, it would irk me to no end when I would watch like, TV shows. And the dad was always a dork. Like the dad was always laughably ridiculous. Modern family is a perfect example. And I don't know if I've talked about this. Maybe I have, but like modern family, that show was a perfect microcosm of how America sees the modern family. All right. So like the gay, if you've never seen modern family, it's, you know, I don't encourage you to watching it, but it was, it was a, it was a funny show kind of but it just it just really accentuated the reality of how we view men um and how we view families so of course the the gay couple is like the perfect couple they adopt the, the asian girl it's ridiculous but that's like the perfect couple they are the funny they're smart they're all the things you know the the father the grandfather of all this you know obviously marries the trophy foreign wife like you know like that's a thing who has her son who's just again different but then you have the american family like the 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 classic nuclear american family you have the son in that family is a buffoon why because his father is an absolute buffoon like he the character in that show is so laughably dumb and stupid and incapable and the mother's the superhero. The mom is the, you know, she's wearing the cape and the dad's just like, how is he even, how is he even alive? That's how dumb he is. And he's always, you know, just ridiculous, ridiculous. And it always irked me because I'm like, like, where's the dad that's awesome? Like, where's that dad? Like my dad wasn't perfect, but my dad was awesome. You know, like, he taught me sports. He taught me about life. He taught me skill sets. He gave me so much. Again, not a perfect man, but like he was an awesome dad. You know, my brother might disagree. <laughs> we had different views, you know what I mean? Whatever. But like, I, I, I really do look at my life and I'm so blessed that I had a mom and a dad that loved me. I have both my parents like already there. I'm, I'm already way up on the, on the competition when it comes to our world right now. And this isn't a knock to, to, to single parents, but like a dad will never be a mom and a mom will never be a dad. Like that's, it's just 
different. Like when Sho and I teach the kids, like it's, it's cool because we're a, a couple that's teaching. So they get the mom side, which is show a hundred percent. And then they get the dad side, which is me, you know, and I, I, I come with the law. <laughs> I love those kids to death, but you know what? Kids need boundaries, specific boundaries that they know that there are consequences if they cross in love, not like, you know, not throat punching these babies. Although sometimes, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I, I look at like where I'm like, Lord, like what, like what would have changed me? And that's really when I noticed that I got changed is when someone poured into me and it was Shane, like Shane poured into me for, for like <laughs> patience of Job that dude had. Cause I was, a, I was not an easy pour into container. I don't know. I, I still was prideful. I was full of blind spots, full of the world. You know, I, I had a lot of unlearning to do and a ton of spiritual growth to have, a lot of maturity spiritually. I had a ton of that. And I still have a ton of that. Like I still am very, I, I consider myself still very immature spiritually on a lot of issues because I like my flesh will kick in real quick. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I probably shouldn't think that way as my default setting. I, sure, I probably shouldn't be angry at that or whatever. You know, am I praying for those people? Like politics is very difficult for me sometimes because I'm like, golly, like I know we're supposed to pray into these people and I know we're supposed to do all that. And I really want to do all that. And I'm trying to do that better, but it's difficult when it's just so outlandishly ridiculous. Um, and I, and I, so anyway, tangent, I, I think about the youth, the youths, the young men of America or anywhere that don't have a, like, it's so crazy that we, we, these young men don't have any, role model and then we expect them to somehow get it you know and it's so it's so it's you know the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result well why would we expect these young men to ha- to love the lord when they're not shown what the love of the lord looks like you know why would someone just gravitate except by the grace of god gravitate to the lord i mean they need to see an example of it and so I just, I, I feel strongly like, man, like men need to know how to be Christian men. Men need to know how to raise up the next generation of Christian men. Older Christian men need to know how to pour into those layers. Like it, it, it's so imperative, so important that we just give these young boys a chance to see what it looks like. Like what's a selfless dad look like? What's a selfless dad that loves you, that believes in you, that calls you up look like? I mean, I know what it did to me when someone who I respected, respected me back. Like, and I, I, I look at a lot through the business lens because I had business mentors or people that were pouring into me on a professional level and how valuable it was, how valuable it was to be in business and know that someone up there who's gone through it can coach you can speak into you, can advise you. That's the great one. Wise counsel, wise counsel, you know, and it's, it's tough, but like, man, like I listened when Shane spoke because I knew that he wanted the best for me. I didn't always, I didn't always do what he asked me to do, but I listened, you know, I listened. I tried to sometimes, sometimes I didn't try very hard. Um, but as I matured, you know, his, his, like the relationship became like my relationship, with the Lord solidified during that time. 
like the foundation of my faith solidified when someone started pouring into me. Have I been flawless ever since? Gosh, no. Gosh, no. I have made plenty of mistakes. Plenty. However, they weren't the mistakes that shipwrecked my faith. They were mistakes that I repented for and I want to get better at and everything else. But like, I've, I still have a fire for the Lord. I have a fire for his kingdom. I have a fire for what my life looks like according to his will. I desire strongly. Like I, I pray about it and I think about it like, Lord, like, man, like we're just thinking about pruning today. I was listening to a, another message by your favorite, <laughs> one of your favorites. And it was about pruning and the value of pruning. Um, it's actually, it was, it was a book that was, show was listening to. It's like the hundred reasons to, to pray in tongues. I think is the name of the book. I, I forget the exact name, but it's in that ballpark frame of like why you should pray in tongues, like a hundred top reasons. And one of them was pruning. Like, we are going to get pruned. Whether we like it or not, the Lord's going to prune us. And it's always a good thing. Uh, a good friend of mine, Steven's like, embrace the suck when it comes to the gym. I went to the gym today. Not bragging, but I did it, which is why I'm out of breath. <laughs> um, but it's like, embrace the suck. Embrace the fact that this is not going to be a good time, necessarily. But once you embrace that, your mind on it changes. You're able to enjoy it. You're able to enjoy the pruning because you know its purpose. You know its end result is that you produce more fruit. Like it's, it's, it's a backwards thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to remove some fruit from you so that you produce more fruit and better fruit. The fruit will be sweeter and it'll be more prolific. Like, isn't that crazy how pruning works? Like you just like shave off all this extra stuff. So then there's more good stuff that comes out of it. My, uh, Ed, there's a guy in San Diego that I used to golf with. I still do love to death. Ed, he has a garden at his house, an orchard. Some would say <laughs> a vast array of fruit and plant life that gives off sustenance. Um, and, it, he's, he's very meticulous about going through and pruning it and how he prunes it and how, how he goes about making sure that each branch is not overwhelmed, that there's space for the fruit to grow and develop and da, da, da. There's all these things. And it's such a spiritual thing. It's so spiritual because that's how the Lord treats us. He loves us so much that he wants to see us produce much fruit. I mean, John 15, five, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So imagine, again, the beginning of that, John 1, 15, 1, is like, I, my father's the vine dresser. Well, what's a vine dresser do? But just remove the things that we think we like, like, oh, look at this. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. This is going to hurt a little bit. It's going to be a little brick, bam, bam. However, me getting that out of, out of your life is going to allow you to just blossom and produce such great fruit. And so that's when I think about young men in this, in this country, in our town, in our communities, in our church, wherever. And it's like, how do you pour into them, prune them to, to, to call them up to who God's called them to be, to let them know their identity in Christ, to understand who they are and what, what, what a man looks like. That's the other thing too, man. We are so jaded on what men look like. Like I said, like the, the uh, modern family show shows a horrific pattern of what a man looks like. And then you have these communities where they, they're, the fatherlessness is an epidemic. There's no fathers. There's none. 
and there's and there's and there's no example. You know, again, I I I applaud these young women who have have children who do their absolute best. You know, my show is a single mom. And so, you know, she didn't have her 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 son wasn't wasn't raised with a father, unfortunately. Was it was raised with an amazing grandfather and amazing uncle, you know, but you can't replace a dad. It's really, really hard to to explain that to someone when you've had a dad. Like, man, I don't know what my life would be like without my dad. I don't know how bad it would have been. It wouldn't have been good. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. I I mean, uh I but I I I I'm so grateful for the things that my dad taught me, poured into me, showed me. Um how he loved me, how sometimes he, <laughs> he corrected me a little too much whatever, you know what I mean? A little little too much course correction. Um a little little anger in those paddle slaps. Uh but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Honestly, I wouldn't like I, I, in all my dad's faults, I, I cannot express how much I love that guy, how much I loved him and appreciated him and how much what he did. I mean, I, the fact that he's not here anymore is a bummer because I can't express that to him. And like, I appreciate how much he poured into me, how much he tried, you know, the effort was there. It wasn't flawless execution. He didn't always stick the landing. But man, it, I'm so much better off now because of who he was, you know, and I, I even, even the ability to watch his mistakes and learn from them like professionally. That's what I, I boast. I boast. I based a lot of my professional style off of watching my father fail. Like didn't he, he was very successful, but his pride and his anger and his way he did things prevented him from ever moving past his point in life because he just refused to play the game. He called it principle, but it was really pride. And I learned from that. I'm like, all right, well, I, you know, my, I always say this, like my opinion in $5 will buy you a cup of coffee. Like no one cares about my opinion. Um, sometimes I do when it comes to, to business stuff, but more or less, I'm like, it's my opinion doesn't matter. That's my perspective. Like it matters as much as you want to listen to it, but if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. Uh, you know, Hey, all I can do is give you my advice. And that at that point in time, it's done. And I learned that from watching my father be unable to do that. Like, it was like his opinion was law. And that's it. If you disagreed, it was brutal. Um, it was so funny. But I, I want to, I was just on my heart. I was just thinking about like fathers, my father. And, and I had a relationship with my dad, but I never had a relationship with the Lord. You know, and why didn't I? And uh, yeah, there there wasn't a, I didn't, I wasn't raised in a perfect house that had perfect everything else. I don't think anyone is. No one is. We all, it's so easy to look at someone else's situation and, and judge it better or worse than yours, but we just don't know. And so as, as objectively great and blessed as my family was, it wasn't, you know, spiritually, I, 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 I didn't come out of it like a rock star. That's for sure. And, and then I went on my own for a long time and, you know, <clears throat> thank the Lord. Now I have a testimony of redemption, of restoration. I have a testimony of how the Lord relentlessly pursued me, even in the darkest places at the darkest times. It was so weird. I was telling the show, like, it was crazy. I would be in these, you know, these horrific situations that I put myself in. And now I just feel like the Holy Spirit, like tugging on me. I'm like, why are you here, dude? Why are you doing this? Like, what, 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 like, what is wrong, man? And 
I had to use all the substances and all the things in the world to distract me from that. But you know, when I got quiet at my house or, you know, whenever, like I was always miserable because I knew I wasn't living the life that I was supposed to. I was always like, Oh Lord, you know, like, like cry out, like, you know, Lord save me, but I'm definitely not going to change my ways. But there's so many men, young men who can avoid that. There's so many young men who can not take that long road of self-destruction that I took. And it was, it would take someone just pouring into them, mentoring them, not being a, you know, a weekend warrior or whatever, but someone truly. And that's what I'm kind of thinking about. Like, like, Lord, how does that play out? Like, how do you find those kids that just need someone to, to call them special that need you know, someone to see that, you know, maybe through their anger or through their misbehavior or through everything else is a kid that is needs a dad, a kid that just needs someone to love them and show them the love of God. Not like, you know, the best dad, the greatest dad. And that's, that's what Sean and I were just thinking about, you know, it's always been like, I've always loved men's ministry. I, I, it always spoke to me because I just, I value men and faith. I think it's such a cool thing to see a father who's just absolutely all about the father's business. You know what I mean? See a dad about the Lord. When you, you know, when you see a father who's like, Hey, (laughs) you know what I mean? When you see sold out men for the Lord, it's such a powerful thing. You see it all the time with women. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? You see women all the time, just absolutely sold out. When you see men, sometimes they're weird. (laughs) When you see sold out men, sometimes they come off a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, I don't know why that is. Not all of them, clearly, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just more grace for women who are sold out, I guess. I don't know. They were able to keep together, but like, but there's something awesome about a, a powerful man. Like, when I say powerful, like spiritually powerful man who just runs his life according to God's word and that's, and just does it well. I think it's amazing. It's so awesome. It's, it's so much like Jesus. Like, like Jesus was a powerful man. He spoke truth to the Pharisees. He called them out. He loved people. He just, I mean, obviously he's our perfect example of the father. He's all those things, but that's what I, like that model, how close can we get to that? And how can we expose that to, to, to young boys that need it, that don't know that, that see Jesus as hippie Jesus with no authority or weak or whatever. It's like, no man, to the exact opposite. He was so strong. I don't know. That's on my head, but on my heart. Um, just pondering that of like, you know, what would have fixed me or what would have changed me or what would have impacted me. And then I look at what did, you know, as a mentor, it was Shane. It's, it's what changed the direction and course of my life. Obviously God, <laughs> but the, the people, Shane, Ed, uh, the Achoas, you know, Adam, there were some important people in my life that really saw me when I was ugly. Um, and it was impactful and it still is. So I hope just to kind of like pay that forward and just be that for some other people or be that like looking for that opportunity to be that elsewhere. Cause it, it meant so much to me. I'm here as a living example of their grace and goodness and love that they poured into my life. So I want to, I want to try that somewhere else. Anyway, that was it. That was this talking about dads, um, <laughs> father wounds, maybe no, not mine. Uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. I hope you have a great week. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You have been listening to What's Up Church Podcast. 
just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't. <laughs>